Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Jim Trotter, good to see you. Howard Michael, representing. Always a pleasure. Oh, man, it's good. It's good. You know, Thursday night, it's Thursday night football, and I'm excited, even though people like you, talking about you, Jim, people like you, you people, uh, tend not to get excited in these situations. You know, like football, football writers, football broadcasters been around for a long time, and you know, you've seen 3-0 and teams before, and you've seen some 3-0 and teams that go on to greatness, and you've seen some 3-0 and teams that collapse. You, th- you go back to the 25% of 3-0 and teams that didn't make the playoffs. So you won't let yourselves go. You won't let your figurative hair down. Yeah, we're in the same category. And so I'm wondering, will you allow yourself to go outside of I've seen a lot. I've got perspective. Will you allow yourself to just shove that aside and say, yes, the Miami Dolphins could be a great championship team in the fledgling stages of a championship team. And tonight is just further confirmation. If they win, you go from 3-0 to 4-0, further confirmation. And this is a real thing going on in South Florida. Go ahead, Jim. Go ahead. Say it. There was one word you used there that stopped me from signing on to what you said. And and I believe personally that the most overrated or, or overused word in professional sports is great. I think we apply that adjective to too many things in too many situations that aren't great. From that standpoint, no, I am not going to get excited that the Miami Dolphins are a great championship caliber team if they win tonight. I am excited about this game um, because you have a team, a young team that is developing and emerging as a legitimate contender, which is far different, as you know, from a great championship team, but emerging as a contender playing a club that went to the Super Bowl last year and is looking to get its rhythm back after a slow start. So, there are a number of storylines here that excite me, and yes, I am Love excited it. about. Uh, I am excited about Thursday night football, even though I hate that these players have to play on Thursday night. Yeah, and, and you know that was a storyline. That in itself was a storyline. You know, a couple of years ago, and it's kind of like a lot of storylines. We have some outrage about it, and then we just kind of get used to it, and we don't talk about it anymore. We say, "Hey, well." Football is here on Thursday. Amazon is part of coverage. Check out our guy, Michael Smith, in a prime time spot before the game and after the game. You know, so we get all into that and we kind of gloss that over. But tell me what you said. There are a lot of exciting storylines. We just saw Tua Tungavailoa there. Is that the storyline that's most exciting? But what's most exciting to you in this game tonight? Yeah, that's definitely one of them because I think this is what what have we said about Tua this year? This is the year that he has to prove himself. There are no more excuses. All the parts are around him. You have an offensive-minded coach. Um, You have talent on the perimeter. They upgraded the line. 
So there are no more excuses if he doesn't play well. And what has he done thus far through three games? He has played extremely well. So I am excited to see him hopefully continue to do that because I think he is one of the quality individuals in the NFL. But beyond Ooh. that, beyond that, um, I am excited to see this Miami offense against this Cincinnati defense. As we talked about yesterday, Cincinnati has not allowed a touchdown in its last seven quarters or its last 20 defensive possessions. Now, we can say that they wow. played against backup quarterbacks in those previous two games, meaning um, Cooper Rush and Joe Flacco. But look, this is the NFL, and I would make the argument to you that Joe Flacco at this point is a better quarterback than Zach Wilson is. So it's not like they were playing the Jets number two, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. um, so from that standpoint, I'm, I'm eager to see these two match up, how they play, because Cincinnati has been very good defensively, at least going back to last year, in terms of being able to adjust to its opponent and to play different ways. So that excites me. Um, so when you start putting all that together, and we talked yesterday about the whole Tyreek Hill, uh, Eli Apple situation, um, there are a number of storylines to this that make this game intriguing to me. Yeah, you know, we and, and, and Gary, if you don't mind, we can go back and show that first clip of Tua. See, this is where, this is where Tua, and maybe just my imagination, because he's got uh, two great receivers now, two, like two number ones, one and one, and Jalen Waddle and Tyreek. This is one of the best throws I've seen Tua make. Okay, now I know the coverage is not he great, but usually he made it. Tua, yeah, yeah, don't you think, Jim? It's, it's almost like, as I described it, it's like at times it looks like he's throwing a shot put. It's almost like a little bit of a wind-up, and then, then he throws it. That was a really good throw, and they weren't, and, and he hit Waddle in stride. Waddle wasn't waiting for it. Like one of these throws to Tyreek Hill against Baltimore where Tyreek is kind of waiting for it to get there. If, if you get that Tua, now if Tua can make these throws... Okay, I'm wrong about Miami. See that? There's a shot put throw. Okay, let me wait, 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 wait for it. There it is. Um, but if Tua can get it there, he can sling it. This is a good one. Uh, that I will say they are championship caliber. It really comes down to that. They got everything else. They got, Look, they got everything every, every other great team has. Yeah, look, I'll say this. Tua is never going to be a great deep ball thrower in terms of arm talent. And if you're comparing him to a Josh Allen or, or Patrick Mahomes or someone like that. Um, but I have seen him make a couple of throws in the tight windows down in the red zone this year where I just went, wow. I hadn't seen mm. that from him in the past. So for me, as I, as I have said before, my biggest question mark with Tua, because look, there are, there are a lot of quarterbacks who can throw the deep ball without um, that elite arm talent. It's about timing and, and rhythm and getting it out early, all those sorts of things. So that's not my concern. My concern with Tua is and always has been durability and can he stay healthy? And that goes back to college. And we saw him go down for a time in last week's game. Um, he's expected to play tonight, maybe not at full strength. And so that's my biggest concern with him is just from a durability standpoint, can he be counted on for 17 games and then into the playoffs? If you look at his, I think, coming into the season, his record as a starter, I think, was 13-8, and eight, right? 13-8. and eight. So now he's 16-8 and eight as a starter. Not bad. That's the, that's the good part. 
the part that, that you don't like is that it's a 24 game sample. So he's been in the league and he's only had 24 starts. And part of that is I know he didn't get the job. He didn't win the job outright over Ryan Fitzpatrick. But even when he's been out there, there have been some times when he's kind of been pulled back because of injuries or poor performance. But 16 and 8, that's a nice little start. If and you can maintain that, you can maintain that, Jim. You can play. You can play for a while. I believe so. And let me say this too. I think we tend to forget or, or to to minimize the fact that he had a different play caller. He has had a different play caller every year of his career in terms of an offensive coordinator or play caller. And we know now Mike McDaniel is going to be there for more than one year unless something dramatic happens that I can't foresee. And I think that also bodes well for two and that now you start to develop a comfort level um, with the play caller, with expectations in terms of what is he seeing that I am being asked to carry out on the field and you start to think as one and that play caller gets to know you as well. We go back to early year, you know, when you talk about um, Fitzpatrick, you know, it was well known that Chan Gailey wanted to play Ryan Fitzpatrick. That was his guy. And so that's who he wanted to stay with. And then late in the year, they go to Tua and you start to question whether or not that offense was really fit for Tua at that point. What Mike McDaniel has done is he is he has incorporated some concepts that Tua ran at Alabama and has made him very comfortable at this point. So now you've surrounded him with talent, you made him more comfortable, and there is a belief now that we're on the right track. And so from that standpoint, I, I don't have any question about football uh, or I'm sorry, Tua in terms of football. My only question with him truly is durability and can he stay healthy as he built for the long haul? And by the way, uh, just for those wondering, I am built for the long haul. I feel great. <laughs> by the way, Jim, I feel great. Now, my voice, like once a year, once a year, my voice gets a little, you know, start to lose it, gets a little raspy. Then I just make a comeback. Then I make a comeback. Uh, so it's no big deal. Feel fine. Uh, Jim, you don't have to worry. You're 3,000 miles away, roughly. I don't have COVID. Um, so you can talk, you can talk to me. You can talk to me. I don't have a mask on. You don't have a mask on. Don't worry. Don't worry. We're good. Um, it's just every now and then I got to get the salt water going grrr, and, uh, get a little honey, ask, a little honey tea. I was going to ask if maybe you were out a little late last night, but I, you know, I didn't want to put your business out in the street. So I dare not. Hey, ask. Okay. You know, this is what I was saying. You want to know what I was doing last night? I really was. Hey, here's, oh, Michael <laughs> Holly, really? Michael Holly on a Wednesday night, watch out. Oh, it's crazy. I was talking to a, uh, an expert, a doctor of homiletics. That's preaching. I was talking to a preacher <laughs> about preaching. That's what I was doing. No, it's this book, actually. Oh, oh. And, and you asked, you asked, and this is not, it just so happens, the book is right here. Uh, she wrote this book. Yeah, yeah. Okay, it's a great book. So Martha Simmons wrote this book. And so I was moderating a conversation last night with Martha Simmons about preaching. I was not preaching. So that's, <laughs> I, don't even have that ex- I don't even have that excuse to have my voice like this. You know, I was bringing it down. You know, I had the whole hooping thing going. I brought the house down and and that's why my boy, no, no, just, 
That's what happened. No big deal. Anyway, um, but I do. I will need some tea at, after the show is over. But on the flip side, on the flip side, you know about Bill for the long haul. Flip side of Miami tonight, Cincinnati. And can we put the cliches aside right now? Cincinnati they lost their first two games. Here we go with the well, it's tough for Super Bowl participants. You know how it is. They fall apart. They usually go to the Super Bowl. The team that doesn't win, they have a hard time making the playoffs. No. They were betrayed by their special teams in game one. Even after all the sacks of Joe Burrow and the interceptions of Joe Burrow, special teams, they should have won that game. So they lose game one to Pittsburgh. Game two, Hey, maybe Cooper Cooper Rush, and I know you got it in your feed. Cooper Rush might be a little bit better than we thought. Dallas playoff team last year. They go to Dallas on the road. They lose by three points. Then they beat the Jets. So, I, Jim, I'm saying watch out for Cincinnati. This is no, hey, Cincinnati's just gonna they gonna be like you know two and six after eight games. No. Uh, as a matter of fact, I think I might pick them. I'm not doing my bet your money until tomorrow. But I may pick them to win this game. It's a good team. I believe it's well, Cincinnati. How about you? If you're going to pick them, you got to pick them tonight. So we can't have you wait until yeah, tomorrow not, to put them in your But it's not a part best. of my official. <laughs> Is it, they, they're not in my official. I don't want it on my record. Uh-huh. I got you. Look, no, I'm with you on Cincinnati. Here's my thing. People forget in that opener against the Steelers, we talk about special teams came down to injuries their long snapper was injured and therefore they were using a backup and again we talk about how how details matter and and the margin for error in nfl games is so huge um, or so thin i should say it took longer for the ball to get back when it was snapped and it gave minka minka um time to get in to block that extra point to force overtime and then we saw it disrupt the timing on a field goal attempt as well. So I didn't panic about that game. Week two against Dallas, I thought they would play better. They didn't play tremendously better, so there was a bit of concern. Look, two things for me that are positive about Cincinnati is, number one, the way the defense is playing at this point. It is doing what it has to do. My concerns for Cincinnati are this. The offensive line where they went out and spent a lot of money this offseason has yet to gel and has yet to perform up to expectations. So we see Joe Burrow being hit more than we anticipated. The other thing is we have not seen their running game get going yet. Joe Mixon's numbers have decreased in every game, and and they have got to be able to run the ball to do some of the things they want to do. And the other thing, lastly here, is I think that Joe Burrow and the Bengals offense is going through some of what Patrick Mahomes went through last year in Kansas City, Mm. where defenses now are playing more shell coverages and forcing them to throw the ball underneath. And when you have playmakers like Joe Burrow has, and you have that big playability, sometimes you want to get greedy. And I've seen Joe yeah. Burrow holding the ball longer than he should at, at times this season. So I think they have to, to, to work through all of that. But I'm like you, I do believe they will work through that. And this is, this is a team not to be written off at this point. All right, well, two, two questions for you before we get to uh, take a break and get to Connor Rogers. Two quick questions. One, so who are you going to pick tonight? Mm. You know what? I, no, no, I'm with you. I think 
I'm going to I'm going to pick Miami. I'm going to stay with Miami. Ooh. Ooh, wow. I'm going to stay with Miami. If Tua is healthy. So if Tua is healthy. Uh, oh, okay. Well, you got a, a banged up Tua. He's <laughs> kind of He's okay. You like, he's you like kind of healthy. That? <laughs> yeah, but I, I do. But I'm going to tell you then if that's your reason, you should have picked Cincinnati. He goes out of they're playing this little game. The the sorry, sorry, Miami. I don't I don't I don't believe you. I just don't believe you. They list them as back and ankle. As if we didn't see him pop his head on the grass on Sunday. As if we didn't see him get up and not really know where he was and stumbling and wobbling. I cannot say definitively that he had a Michael. concussion. I can't say that. But but you are implying strongly. Yeah, I mean, come on. But you are so, implying they, strongly. Yeah. So here it is. Watch his head. Okay, that's not the play. All right. We'll see it on the other side. All right. Other angle, you see his head go down. Now, okay, is that his ankle? He's not grabbing his ankle, he's not touching his back. Players always, here it is. Oh, you watch him go down. Watch him go down. Watch his head. Okay. And look, where does he reach? J- Jim, where did he reach? I understand. He reached up top. I understand exactly what you're saying. I thought the same thing watching it in real time. But two things here that I have to consider. And again, we had okay. this discussion yesterday about journalists and, and not making assumptions and whatnot. Right, um, right. Mike McDaniel is adamant that he would not ever put a player at risk. Um, knowing Pause. what I know about 20, my- 20 second timeout. We'll make sport. Okay. We'll make sport. Go ahead. 20 second. Go ahead. Tell me the coach. Tell me. I want you to, in your long distinguished career, Hall of Fame career, in my opinion, tell me the coach you've interviewed who said, I will put a, a player in jeopardy. No, 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 it's not, it's not, no, uh, under, no, understood. I, you didn't let me finish on that. The point I was okay, going okay, to make okay. is okay. that knowing Mike McDaniel, as I do from people who have been close to him in the past, I believe that to be true, that he would not. Okay. Secondly, okay. as you know, there is an independent neurologist on every sideline of every game who is unaffiliated with either team who has to examine the player and make the determination about whether or not that player has suffered any cognitive issues from the fall, from hitting his head. The neurologist did not find anything that in any way the tool was impaired um, cognitively that would prevent him from going back in the game. So look, all I'm saying to you is this. When I watched it in real time, my first thing was he's got a concussion. That's what I thought. And again, it goes back to that old training day line. It's not what you know, it's what you can prove. I can't prove he had one. I would have to, therefore, right. I I would have to say I don't believe the independent neurologist, and I would have to say I don't believe Mike McDaniel, and I would have to say I don't believe Tua himself, who said he did not suffer a concussion. And until I find a reason to believe that all three of those are lying to me, I'm going to accept it for what they said. See, but you're a good person. I don't know about that. Say I'm not. Which is say I'm not. No, I'm not. But okay. So 
you're looking at it as Tua. I, I would say to Tua, I don't think you're lying. I think if something happened to you, you might not, you might not recall it. You might not. You might not. Or you may not realize, like a concussion is not some, it, you know, there are so many uh, stages of them, so many forms of them. Right. It does not have to be this, oh, I can't, you know, oh, I blanked. I don't remember anything for, for like four minutes. It's not always that. That's one. So I'm going to put two aside. Mike McDaniel, I won't use the word lie. I'll say you're, you're multitasking. So you're the head coach of the team. You can't just always think, you can't just focus on one player. You've got a lot of things to think about. And maybe there are some things that just kind of, you're not, you're not 100% focused on as you're the head coach. And now with the neurologist, okay, I'm not saying you're lying, but maybe the system is not as tight. I, I'm not saying he's lying or, or they are lying, but maybe the system is not as tight as it needs to be. But, you know, we can agree to disagree. The other quick question I was going to ask you. No, all and, of that is uh, possible. Connor I just want to say all yeah. of that is possible. Without question, it's plausible. I just don't know how I can disprove it. Yeah, and I can't either. I can't either. Um, real quick, at, we complain so much, all of us. First week of Amazon, uh, we saw the games on Thursday night. Oh, there's some buffering things. And you know, what happened? I can't do this. And we moved on to something else. How's it been? I didn't hear a lot of complaints last week. Your experience watching the game. How was it watching on on Amazon? It, I think it's cool, but you know, I, I'm I'm long past the. Well, I need it on in my living room in, in to consume it this way. I'm long past that. Uh, I'm 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 well into the 21st century and happy about it. How was your experience consuming uh, the game? Look, Michael, there are always going to be people, as I say, who wake up every morning looking for something to grouse about. I'll clean up my language here. So, you don't um, have to. okay, there are going to be people who wake up looking for something to bitch about. There are always going yeah. to be those people. Um, you're never going to get away with that. As far as my experience watching Thursday night games on Amazon, I've had no issues whatsoever. I've actually enjoyed um, hearing Richard Sherman after games who keeps yeah. it as real as anybody, you know, um, that I've heard out there in terms of an analyst um, dissecting a game and a performance. So I've enjoyed that part of it. Um, no issues here. I, I got no complaints. And, and I think anyone who is complaining, it's just one of those folks who wants want to get left behind. I'll tell you a quick story. When I was at Sports Illustrated, we had a meeting in New York, and they said, hey, want all you guys to get on social media. want you to get on Twitter. And I'm one of those people who wasn't on Twitter, and I'm like, I don't want to get on Twitter. I'm not interested in social media. And in my mind, I said, look, you got two choices here. Either you can get on board or you can get left behind. Uh, and uh, my point was, even as an old dinosaur, I figured I better get on board and move with where it's going. And it's the same for anyone who's going to complain about uh, the NFL now streaming games as opposed to being on um, network TV or cable TV. Well, the music means we're going to a very, very short respite. I don't have time for salt. You have time for salt water? A little time? A little salt water? Then we'll come back. We'll talk with Connor Rogers. Talk some football with him. With BST. Oh, B- I was about to say BST. <laughs> I work too much. 
That's why my voice is gone. I work too much. BFA. Brother from BST is my other job. That's my other <laughs> job, Trotter. I'm about to, I was about to say when BST rolls on. No, BFA. I need a day off. Hey, day off. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. All right. Hey, <laughs> Jim, we talked about this earlier. The Cowboys have not disappeared. As a matter of fact, they're 2-0 and this year without Dak Prescott. They are 3-0 and when Cooper Rush is a starting quarterback. Small sample size, but that's all you got. They needed those two. They got one over the Bengals. They got one over the Giants, the previously undefeated Giants on Monday Night Football. And so I don't think, I don't think that Cooper Rush is going to create any kind of controversy in Dallas. I don't think he's going to take Dak Prescott's job. I don't know how you feel about it, Trotter. I don't know how our guest, Connor Rogers, feels about it. Connor, you look at Dallas, Cooper Rush, Dak Prescott. Is that even a conversation? Should not be. I mean, there's a reason Dak Prescott got the contract he got that he earned and what he's done with that team and how that team looks at him internally. And, I mean, Dak Prescott is a guy that we've seen play at an MVP caliber level before. And, listen, it's a nice story that Cooper Rush is a capable backup that can keep you in games, that can manage the game, that can get the ball to your number one playmaker in CeeDee Lamb, that they have two capable running backs, and that some of the young guys on that offensive line do look good early. That's all good signs. But this defense is carrying them through this stretch I think it's a good sign for the Cowboys as a team that they're navigating this, but it'll be much, much better when Dak Prescott with Michael Gallup and Dalton Schultz, uh, Dalton Schultz eventually will be back as well. So, no, no controversy. I think all you needed to know was was to see Mike McCarthy's reaction a week ago when he was asked about Jerry Jones's comments about a potential controversy. <laughs> the laugh that he, he – the chuckle that he, he let loose with let you know it's Dak Prescott's job, and he's fine with that. But the thing that kills me, though, is how Jerry is so willing to say the quiet part out loud, you know? Yeah. Like, he may be thinking right. it, right. but there's no reason to say it. Right, it's great. And so, if you look at it, do you look at, do you look at Dallas? And, and we, we all, we're on the same page here. I mean, it's, it's Dak Prescott's job, and Cooper Rush is keeping it warm. But how about the division? Because I, I get the sense fellas, that most people say, oh, well, Philadelphia's got it. Philadelphia is the class above the Cowboys. Do, do, do you guys believe that? Cooper, I mean, Connor, do you believe that? Do you believe I that do. Philadelphia's yeah. there? You do? I really do. I think the Eagles, you look at everything they've done in the offseason, and then the thing that we couldn't see is the growth of Jalen Hurts, right? That's the thing for me that I think people are – they're not writing off because Jalen Hurts has now climbed up into being one of the top MVP candidates on every single betting board. But that was the thing that makes the Eagles really get over the hump because they have a great roster. They added to it in their defensive line with Jordan Davis, and they obviously traded for A.J. Brown. They have a perfectly capable number two in Devontae Smith. This has quietly been one of the best offensive lines in football for a long time. So having a quarterback that was already a good player take another step separates them in this division that they're going to keep rolling for a while here. 
Yeah, I just agree. And I, I would further add that what they did in their secondary in terms of upgrading that unit, they're just, they're a complete team. And, and that's why I like them. The only pause I have is that it's a long season. And as you know, injuries can, can impact a club and derail a club pretty quickly. So, but just in terms of on paper, if everyone's healthy, I love the way that Philadelphia is playing. Um, pat myself on the back here. I know I'll be embarrassed later, but they were my preseason pick to go to the Super Bowl out of the NFC. So I'm going to ride with them all the way until the wheels come off. Well, you know, I think, though, know, it's a, you know, and I agree with you on your injuries point, but if you want to do like a, a, a temperature check of a team, really feel like, really find out what a team is made of, you know what you do? Take the quarterback away. Take the quarterback away and see what that team is all about because that is like the number one position. And Dallas has done that. And I know two games. So when we talk about Philadelphia versus Dallas, you know where I give Dallas the edge? At quarterback. Everybody's, you know, loving on Jalen Hurts. Good. Lots of progressions, lots of progress. Dak Prescott's still better than Jalen Hurts. Yeah, How about hater. coaching? Oh, oh, I'm not. I'm a truth teller. Hater. I'm a truth teller. Hater. And now let's go here. Let's go here. Hater. How about head coach? Head coach. Who's better head coach? Whew. Sirianni has looked a lot better, I oh, think. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, I, wow. And, and it's the whole staff, Michael. It's the whole staff. The Cowboys, every Cowboys Man. fan has been screaming about McCarthy since he got hired. Because so. it's, cause it's yeah. spoiled. Mike McCarthy I mean, sure. can't get any help in this room. No help. So Sirianni hasn't won a playoff game. <laughs> Career like last year, what nine and seven? Nine, what ten and ten Mike, and eight? How many? Eight. How many years has he been a head coach? Give him a chance. How many years has <laughs> well, he been a head coach? Okay, answer your own question. He's been a head coach for one year, and you're oh, giving him the edge over Mike McCarthy, who's got a Super Bowl title. And it's got a pretty good winning percentage, right? Let me say this to you. Mike McCarthy, I consider to be a friend. Mike McCarthy has made a lot of mistakes. Doesn't sound like it. During, Doesn't sound during, like his, it. during his short time in Dallas, he has made a lot of mistakes. And I think he would be the first yeah. to admit that to you. With Nick Sirianni, okay. the one thing I will give him credit for when we talk about, yes, he's in his second year as a head coach. What I saw last year was a coach early on who was – appeared to be one of those guys who was like, we're going to do it my way. We're going to run my system and everything else be damned. And then he realized when they weren't having success, you know what, what I am doing is not working and we need to play to the strength of this team, which is running the football. And that's what they did. They got back to some basic football and started to have success. So to me, the sign of a good head coach in part, not in full, but in part is, are you willing to look in the mirror and, and, and be accountable to yourself and your teams and say, Maybe what I'm doing is not right, and maybe we need to try something else. And he was willing to do that, and I will give him credit for that. Okay, I, can I just point something out to you guys? All right, so it, we, we, may, we may have a different answer on this. We may all be aligned. We may all be aligned. I think we may have the same answer. Tell me who the, the, the best coach, starting with you, Connor, who's the best coach in the NFL? This is the best coach, like the, the standard, the best coach in the league is. I think it's Sean McVay, honestly. I think the reason mm. being is, and it's not just because they just won the Super Bowl. That Obviously, it's a chalk pick when you say that. But when you combine 
the awareness of where the league goes every year and the adjustments he makes and the player relations, right, that balance with him, I think he's the one that's mastered it the most. And I think the third thing is that is one of the more unique things he just makes excellent hires to replace the guys he loses each year. And that's one of the that's hardest parts yes. of the job. I think yeah. it's a really hard thing to do each year. So when you combine just winning, his player relations, and his staff relations and talent scouting, I, I would put McVay up with anyone at this at this point right now. Who would you I think say that's a great, I think that's a great call. I hadn't thought about it from that standpoint. But everything you said about McVay is absolutely true. But if I were to pick one right now, I would say, obviously, Bill Belichick. I still believe in terms of situational football, in terms of coaching up not only players but his staff. What 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 are we to make of the fact that when these coaches are on his staff, how good this team is, and when they go away, they are not as good. Their teams do not perform as well. Um, so it's I almost like the up. opposite of McVay. Exactly. It's almost the opposite so, of McVay. You know? Yeah, so I, I, I come back to Bill Belichick and his, and his – attention to detail. And the other thing is when we talk about player relations, we from the outside see him one way and we see those press conferences and day to day or on to Cincinnati day or whatever. Today. But when you talk to players on his team, some of whom I know re- have known really well, they love Bill Belichick. And they talk about a guy who has a personality and they can relate to and that sort of thing. So I think sometimes people on the outside don't get a fair representation of who he is, and I think he likes it that way. But the truth is he can relate to his players, particularly veteran players. Um, so from that standpoint, I would still say, for me, it would be Bill Belichick, and then I'd go McVay. Well, I'm, I'm going to tell you why I asked you guys that question in just a second, but you just gave me a thought, um, uh, Trotter. In the, in the Mike Tomlin poetry spot that we have every day, some coach saying something, uh, just with – with interesting phrasing, uh, Bill Belichick might have to have to take that Mike Tomlin poetry spot today for that day-to-day press conference. What do you want me? You want you think I'm going to read the MRI? <laughs> what do I look like? An orthopedic surgeon? <laughs> you know. So we, no, we no, have to play you, that. Wait, you got you got to do it in the way that he does it because he didn't even do it with the emotion <laughs> that you have. You have to do it as he does it to make it really effective. Day to day, and, and my favorite part. My favorite part is he's saying this day-to-day thing. And a reporter said to him, well, okay, trying to change it up. Well, what did your medical team tell you? He said, (laughs) day-to-day. Come on. You just set me up for that one. That was easy. That's for free. But the reason I asked, the best coach in the league, and I thought you were going to say, Connor, you messed me up a little bit, because I thought you were going to say the same thing Trotter did. This is Belichick. Even the best coach in the league, people complain about him. People here, I'm in Boston, people have been complaining about Bill Belichick all season, complaining about the staff. Why didn't he name an offensive coordinator? Why didn't he name a defensive coordinator? Why, do, can't, why can't he draft wide receivers? What's going on here? What's up with it? Like, and that's the best. So people complaining about Mike McCarthy, yeah, even the best gets hated on. McCarthy Mike Tomlin, has an ex- Mike Tomlin has, has never a- had a losing season in 15 years in Pittsburgh, and Steeler fans are trying to get him up out of there. It's That's the what I'm telling league. you. Yeah. So, Mike McCarthy, your friend, Trotter, not mine, but I'm caping up for him more than you are. Uh, I'd say great, 
<laughs> great, great winning percentage. I'm going to get a call great, for this. Great, great history. Hey, Mike, I'm your guy. McCarthy, I'm your guy. Great history of developing talent. Great history of hiring people on staff who do a good job, who might even, like in the case of Dan Quinn, who might even threaten his authority, but he's good with it. So, I don't know. Uh, watch out for the Cowboys. I, I'm picking the Cowboys to win that division. Hot take. Cowboys going to win the NFC East. Yes. Connor, gonna set them straight. The NFC East. Set them straight, Connor. Man, it's, it's tough for me. I think the selling point is that they have maybe one of the greatest defensive players we'll see of the next 10 years in Micah Parsons. That's what you can lean your hat on and say. But yeah. I still think they have some problems on the back end of the defense that can be cleaned up. The offensive line is young in certain areas. They've dealt with injuries. And maybe it's not about the Cowboys. More to Trotter's point, the Eagles are just such a complete team. It's hard to pick against them right now. Who, who uh, I, asked, I asked Trotter this earlier, Connor. Um, how about tonight? I, I'm really excited about this game, this Bengals-Dolphins game. Who do you like in it? it? This is an incredible one, right, because of the variables in it. I, I like the Bengals to win, but I can't believe that Miami is kind of a significant underdog by more than a field goal. And this is the ultimate matchup game. You have a team like Miami that loves to blitz. They blitz on over 40% of the dropbacks they see. I believe that's the most in the NFL. You have a team like Miami that'll play man coverage all day long if they need to. Then on the other end, you have a quarterback like Joe Burrow that has no problem throwing against the blitz like he did in the first half to run up the score on the Jets last week. So, And we know all the playmaking talent in this game. So it'll be a rare Thursday where I think there'll be a ton of scoring. I think it'll be a shootout if Tua could be full go. But ultimately, I think the Bengals are officially back on track after night and win a very, very close game. You know, I, w- I want to, if I can, for one second, go back to the to Dallas sure. and ask Connor about this, and Mike gets your opinion as well. I was one of those people who was kind of critical of C.D. Lamb. Like, I just didn't know if this guy was a number one. And what he showed me in that game Monday night changed my perception of him. Oh, I need to I'm see not, it, Gary. That's fair. Bring it on. That's fair. Yeah, that's fair. No, I'm talking about, I'm talking, me, I'm talking about oh. that play. No, you're, you're oh, right. Okay. I'm with you. I'm talking to Gary about our producer, Gary Carter. When you mentioned C.D. Lamb, I need to see that touchdown catch again. It was just beautiful. And even the end, when he dropped the touchdown there, even the end of uh, one of his runs, where he was just great, we like rolled over a guy. You're right, Trotter, but go, go ahead. Go ahead and love on him some more. No, because my, my, my thing is, it's more of it. We know the physical ability is there. But my, my question was always, is the mental makeup there? Is he a dog? You know, will he get down and dirty in terms of, I don't care what the coverage is. I don't care who's on me. When a play has to be made, I'm going to make it. And I saw him drop that pass, and I'm like, you know what? Maybe the doubts I have are right. And then to see him respond the way that he did, what it said to me is that he does have that dog makeup in him. Now, they've got to bring it out every week, but I was just curious you guys' perception of what you saw because for me, mine changed of him a bit to where I said he can be that guy, whereas previously I wasn't so sure. I think it's a great point, Jim, because the questions with CD were always how is he going to function once Amari Cooper leaves and you take him out of the slot on all of his snaps and can he handle being the guy and now Gallup's been out, so everything's been working against him. 
But the good news is he was the guy at Oklahoma. Now, it's a big difference going from the Big 12 to playing in the NFL and being the guy. But he was always able to take on a huge work share at Oklahoma, break tackles after the catch, sky uh, sky high for the football over defenders when they needed him most. So I think he's ready for this moment as he showed the bounce back. You just got to deal with those little mental lapses. But CeeDee Lamb has all the talent to consistently be a top eight wide receiver in the NFL. And Dallas letting Amari Cooper showed that they believe he will be. Yeah, I agree. Before, but before we get into all that, I, I, I know we got to let you go in here in a second. Before we let you go, I want to tell people, you came in, Connor, because we, we're with you. We support you. Uh, you came in talking about the New York Mets. And the statement you made made me go back and look at the standings. I thought I missed something. You said, yeah, we're about to win a division. And I said, wow, did the Mets, did something happen? Did I, you know, I, <laughs> I lost my voice the last couple of days and maybe I've just kind of lost track of it. They're leading the division by a game. One game. One game. And you said they're about to win it. So tell me why you're feeling yourself and feeling your team where you can speak with such confidence and authority. Michael, after all the misery that comes with being a Mets fan, if we can't be excited (laughs) and confident with Jacob deGrom and Max Scherzer back-to-back with the division on the line, if the Mets take two out of three down in Atlanta, this thing is over. If we can't be confident then, we have no hope. Not with new ownership, not with money, not with finally a season where we're going to win. They are going to win. I don't want to be the we fan. They are going to win 100. No, no, go ahead. I like that. I like they are going to win 100 games. We've been waiting too long for this. 2015 was a little flash in the pan. There was a letdown in the World Series. I have to, uh, behind the anxiety, I have to be very confident and excited for this team. You know what? I, I, no, I, 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 no, Connor should be supporting his team um, in this way. But what I'm hearing almost, going back to football, I'm hearing Jerry Jones talking about CeeDee Lamb <laughs> or Cooper Rush you know, before they got onto the field this year. So that's what it sounds like to me. Like he's going to speak it into existence. That's right. That is absolutely right. I I love it. And I love this. I love, I love divisional races like this, you know, back and forth. Both teams are really 100 win teams and in winning the division in the new playoff format, winning the division really does matter a great deal. So I I like this uh, race to the finish and actually Connor and Jim, the National League playoffs, I mean, American League will be fun, but the National League, you think about it, you've got the Mets are going to win 100 games, the Braves are going to win 100 games, the Dodgers are well over 100 wins, I mean, the, the, the National League playoffs are going to be fantastic, and not to mention the team that's not going to win 100 might upset all of y'all, and that's the Cardinals, I can tell you, watch out for the Cardinals. <laughs> I can't wait for the playoffs. Connor, I'm rooting for you. I am this weekend because the team that I watch all the time, they're going to finish in last place again, the the Red Sox. So this weekend, I'm a Mets fan. I'm I'm with you. Go Mets. Michael, you are much (laughs) appreciated. Your support every week on this show, whenever I come on, is much appreciated. That's all I could ask for. Go Mets, baby. Mr. Met. Where's Mr. Met? I'm all about it. Thank you, Connor. Always Thanks, good to guys. see you. Thanks, Connor. Great talking to you guys. Thank you. 
Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. You know, Jim, I've always been amazed uh, at the standard uh, to which we uh, sometimes hold our pop stars, our musicians, our artists, uh, sometimes more to a standard. Hold, we try to hold them more accountable than we hold our politicians and our community leaders. And so when Rihanna was announced as a halftime act at the Super Bowl recently, and you see a headline this from uh, uh, Karen Phillips, NFL is worse than it was when she originally said no. And it's almost like now we're calling Rihanna out. Well, you said no a few years ago because of Colin Kaepernick. Well, Kaepernick's not there. Uh, Why are you saying yes now when you said no then? So your no must be permanent. And, you know, look, Jim, there, there are a couple things. I think the no that she said at the time was effective and she made her statement. She made her statement. It's not a statement I was trying to hold her to for the rest of her life, for the rest of her career. And the other thought I have is, with all respect to Rihanna, sometimes you got to find love in what seems like a hopeless place. Ooh, ooh. Look, shout Mm. out, Rihanna. Um, Mm. We all went back. It wasn't just Rihanna. Some of us who said we were gone for good, some of us who were gone because of Kaepernick, some of us went back to the NFL. We didn't boycott forever. We didn't just take our eyes elsewhere and ignore the NFL, even though some of us said we were, some of us said we were done, some of us said we were fed up. So we're holding her to a standard that we didn't even hold ourselves to. Well, come on, let Rihanna. Me say this. Come on back. Mike, I ain't hating on you. Come on back. No, but but I think it's very important to read her quote to provide true context about why this is an issue. So after turning down an opportunity to do the Super Bowl halftime show, she told Vogue magazine this when asked about it. She said, I couldn't dare do that. For what? Who gains from that? Not my people. I just couldn't be a sellout. I couldn't be an, an enabler. What year this was after it? the 2019. This is after the 2019 okay. that she turned it down, right? So right. she went on to say, things within that organization that I don't agree with at all, or there are things in that, within that organization that I don't agree with at all, and I was not about to go and be of service to them in any way. So here is my question for Rihanna. That is all fine, and we are all allowed to change our minds. I have no problem with that. And if she wants to mm-hmm. do it, that's fine. What I want to know from her is, what has changed? What progress has been made other than Jay-Z and Rock Nation aligning with the NFL after you turned down an opportunity to do the Super Bowl halftime show? And we know well, that you are affiliated with Rock Nation. What well, that's has one changed? Of them. There's one. Okay. Right there. Colin Kaepernick still doesn't have a job. In terms of race um, and, and hiring, the NFL, in terms of minority head coaches, we see where they're at in that situation where at the start of last right. offseason, there was only one, and there are now three black head coaches in the NFL. Again, as I brought up to Roger Goodell at the Super Bowl press conference, 
in the media group where I work, where we cover a league whose player population is 60 to 70% black, we don't right. have one full-time black employee on the news desk, okay? So from a newsroom standpoint, that's important. So my question to her would be, what has changed? What progress have you seen Okay, that would lead you to, to, to make this decision? All right, but whose story is that, though? All right, you said there's not a single black employee on the news desk. Who's that on? Is that on Roger Goodell? Yes. Yes, it is. On, on, journalistically? He, he, he oversees the NFL media group, right? All right. Ultimately, so, when, we who, do the chain of, when we do the chain of command, but, he is at the very top. Yeah. Okay, so he's, hire, he's hiring the person. He's hiring everybody. Everybody we see on NFL Network, NFL Media, Roger Because I don't know. You, you know better than I do. Because you, you might no, be right. Michael, so what I'm saying to you, just, just like with a football team, whatever happens on a football team, ultimately the owner is responsible fair. for it. And so okay. it is no different when you have a media group that is owned by the NFL and the NFL owners. The person at the top is ultimately responsible for what takes place, even at the bottom. Okay. Well, I think we should... Rihanna, my point is, Rihanna is not the only person who should have to ask questions or answer questions. Everybody should have to answer. A lot more people have to answer questions. Let not, let's not just focus on her. We got more, a lot more to talk about on this. We'll talk tomorrow. <laughs> Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 